Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Troy Walls. Today, Bible lesson, we will be in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. The book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible said, But ye, speaking to the eleven, never forget that the scripture has to be determined who is speaking and to whom. Well, here we have Jesus, of course, speaking to the eleven. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, which was, of course, a reference to Pentecost ten days ahead. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, which, of course, was the area of Jerusalem and Samaria, and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, they never did get to the uttermost parts of the earth. The twelve have absolutely no scriptural record of going to the uttermost parts of the earth because of Israel's unbelief. The nation continued to reject and reject and reject, and we will see someplace along the line, but around that point in time, God turned to the Gentiles through the Apostle Paul. But until that time, we're still dealing with the eleven who will soon be twelve once again. And the nation of Israel under the covenant promises. That's what I'm going to show in the next little bit, that we still have not left the scenario of Christ's earthly ministry. You know, I like to put it this way. The four Gospels are just an extension of the Old Testament. Nothing has changed except that the Messiah has made his appearance. Israel is still keeping temple worship, synagogue worship. They still have no intent of going to the Gentiles with anything. But look at what Matthew chapter 10 verse 5 says. Matthew chapter 10 verse 5 says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, it's their religion. Nothing changes except that Christ has now made his appearance. All right, now after we go through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he ascends back to glory in the next few verses. You continue on in the book of Acts and still nothing changes except now it's in the hands of the twelve to perform the signs and wonders and miracles to yet convince the nation that Jesus, this Jesus who had just left their midst, was indeed the promised Messiah. That's the whole scope of Scripture until we get to the Apostle Paul. The coming Messiah, the coming earthly kingdom, and then when he comes, believe who he is. This is the promised one. But they couldn't. So he went through the death, burial, and resurrection. All right, now we're going to see that after he ascends, still nothing changes. It's still the same format. The one you crucified is alive and is still able to be the king. All right, so they don't go to the uttermost parts of the earth because Israel had rejected the Messiah, who would have made it possible. Catch that. They never got any further than Samaria. Look at uh, the book of Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 9. 
through the first part of verse 10. The book of Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, in other words, while the eleven were standing there watching him visibly, physically, and bodily, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, now look, don't just read over that. Just stop and think of that for a minute. Put yourself in those guys' shoes. There they stood aghast, having just spent 40 days with him. They were having a hard time comprehending how he could slip through a wall, go from Jerusalem to Galilee in a split second, and yet sit down and eat fish with them. All these things, I'm sure, were just boggling their minds. Yes, they were afraid to say too much because the Lord would put them down with a, Oh, ye of little faith, what's the matter with you? And now to have this experience. He's standing there waiting with them one minute, and all of a sudden, like a rocket, he takes off. That's enough to shake anybody's shoes, isn't it? But that's what happened. There they stand, watching him go up. And at the same moment, miraculously, angels appear beside them. Acts chapter 1, verse, last part of verse 10 and 11. Acts chapter 1, 10 and 11. As he went up, behold, two men stand by them in white apparel. You see, they're angels, but they appear as men. Verse 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Now what's the next statement? That is what all of Christianity had been waiting on now for 2,000 years. This same Jesus. What does that mean? That means in the same body with which he just now left in that same physical form, he's going to return once again. The Bible says, Which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. All right. Now let's go back for a moment to John's Gospel, chapter 14. John's Gospel, chapter 14, where again, most of Christianity has completely inverted the meaning. They have twisted it all out of shape. John 14, at the time of the Passover, just before his crucifixion, all got it. John 14, starting in verse 1, those very familiar verses, look at that. The book of John, chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, what? Come again. Now see, most of Christianity believes in a rapture and tries to make this rapture language. This is not a, re a referral to the rapture. This is a referral to his second coming. That's when he's going to return to the nation of Israel in fulfillment of the Old Testament promise, the body of Christ and Paul's gospel of grace, which is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Look, that has not been revealed yet. Let's look at that a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. 
Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Chapter 15, verse 3, First Corinthians says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. I'm always stressing to people who can't believe in a rapture. It's because they won't read Paul. Paul alone teaches the rapture of the body of Christ because Paul alone reveals the body of Christ. Paul alone gives the gospel we must believe in our heart in order to be placed into the body of Christ. Paul alone gives the Christian walk for, for the body of Christ. So, Paul alone refers to things concerning the glorious body of Christ and the rapture. What Jesus is sharing here in John 14 is his second coming, seven years after the rapture takes place. Again, take my old rule of thumb. Who is speaking? Jesus. Who is, who is he speaking to? To the twelve, and they represent Israel. So leave it in that setting. He's still dealing with that after he's ascended. He's going to return to that same Jerusalem from which he left. No, these mansions here are not ours. Read John 14 carefully. Don't accuse me of taking away your mansion because I'm not, because these mansions are probably tense compared to what we are going to have in glory. We don't know what we're going to have. Did you know that? And you know why? I, I think if uh, God would even just give us a little tip of the iceberg of our eternal destiny, we couldn't be able to comprehend it. It's going to be far, so far above and beyond human comprehension that God uh, has seen fit not to give us one word. All we know is that our eternal abode is going to be what? What's the word? Glorious. That's all we know. All the other references are to the kingdom, the earthly kingdom, as is this one. Now, my own personal approach here is that the Father's house, so far as Israel was concerned, was, was the what? Well, the temple. And the priests had rather nice apartments in the temple complex. So Jesus is really telling them that when he returns and the millennial temple appears, these 12 men are going to have great mansions in the temple complex. He's not talking about us, the body of Christ. All right, now let's go all the way back to this, to tie this in. That's all Jewish, remember that. These are all pertinent to the nation of Israel and their prophecies and their promises. Come back to Zechariah. Most of you already know what I'm going, that I'm going to chapter 14. Let's see how all of this fits when the angels told the eleven. This same Jesus that you have seen go into heaven will, will in like manner come again. Remember, that's not the rapture, but rather the second coming. 
Nobody but Paul speaks of the rapture. Look at Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. The Bible said, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, that's the tribulation, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. In other words, all the ramifications of the war and destruction. Verse 2, God says through the prophet, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Now that's what we call the battle of Armageddon. And this city, that would be Jerusalem, shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women women ravished or raped. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. In other words, Jerusalem is going to be under a tremendous invasion. Now, when it looks like there's no hope for Israel, then you got verse 3. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Now, that's the fulfillment of all the descriptions of his second coming back in the earlier prophets. Now, look at verse 4. Most of you have seen this over and over through the years. Some of you never have. But here is the absolute Old Testament parallel with John 14 and Acts chapter 1. Look at Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day. Now, is that some kind of invisible cloud? Well, clouds don't have feet that I know of. No, it's that resurrected body returning after it left in Acts chapter 1. So in his second coming, when he returns, his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is Jerusalem on the east. It's the same Mount of Olives from which he left in Acts chapter 1. All right, now let's flip back to the book of Acts. Hopefully I've made my point there. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now, that's as plain as language can make it. He left from the Mount of Olives. He went up head first toward heaven. But the angel said he's going to come back and stand on that same place on the Mount of Olives at his second coming. We don't know when it'll be, but we feel we must be getting closer and closer every day. All right, so now the Lord has returned to glory. He's told these 11 men to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the day of the Pentecost, which is going to be 10 days down the road. But in this 10-day period, Peter is all shook up with one tremendous item on the agenda. That's the best way I can put it. The number one item on their agenda was what? To fill that spot left open by Judas. All right, we're going to pick it up right here in verse 15. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And in those days, that is, in those ten days between his ascension and the day of Pentecost, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number and names together were about 120. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas, who was guide to them that took Jesus. For he, in other words Judas, was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. Y'all remember that. That was those 30 pieces of silver that the priest gave him. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Acts chapter 1, verse 19 20. And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in the proper tongue, Hakeldama, that is to say, the field of blood. All right, now here in verse 1, I want you to see verse 20. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his, in other words, Judas, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another man take, let another take. In other words, his role as one of the twelve let another take. Now, that's what the Psalms prophesy. Now, what have I said over and over and over through the years concerning prophecy? And if the book says it, it's going to happen. Nothing can ever take a prophetic statement. So you see, Judas had to fail. Matthias had, had to be brought in to take his place. Why? Because the book said so. I always remember that. Anything written in prophecy. When Isaiah said that the Babylonians were coming and he made it sound like it was going to be next month, how long was it? A hundred years. But it happened. Christ's birth was foretold specifically at least 500 years before it happened. But it happened. And how does Paul put it in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4? Look at that. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, what happened? God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. So always remember that these theologians today like to throw away 90% of the Old Testament prophecies as if they can't happen because Israel is no longer a nation. That's what they're trying to tell people. And they're succeeding. My, my, my. People are falling for that. In fact, that's one of my concerns of this very thing that's taking place in Washington right now. Too many of those people in government are of that, are of that replacement theology if they know anything. What does that mean? They don't feel that there's any concern for those Israelis in the homeland of the Jew because they're not Jews anyway. Oh, what a lie. Because this book says that they will come back and have their homeland, as we've seen happen. And remember, that happened in 1948. So again, let me emphasize. If it's written in the Old Testament and God says, I will... You can mark it down. It is going to happen. Now I want to ask you one question before I close up here. I want to ask you this simple question. You think about it. 
Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? I've had people tell me in the soul winning booth say, I don't think anybody knows for sure if they're going. Well, God wants you to know for sure. And 1 John 5.13, it says that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. Well, this is how you get it. The first thing you've got to recognize is that you, along with everybody else, you've got to recognize that you are a sinner. You know, everybody's got to go to heaven the same way. You have to recognize that you're a sinner. And when you recognize that you're a sinner, don't sin anymore. Repent. Uh, say, God, I'm sorry. You know, I, I want to go another direction. And you know what he'll do? It, it says in the Bible he don't lie. He'll do exactly what he said he would. If you would confess him with your mouth and believe that he is who he said he was, that he died for your sins on the cross, you will be saved, or what the Bible calls being born again. That's how you gain eternal life. Simply believe who Jesus Christ was. He come as God in the flesh, as the Son of God in the flesh. And if you believe that with all your heart and soul, you will be saved. It don't say you might be saved or he'll think about it. He says thou shalt be saved. So that's always good news. We, we can have eternal life a lot easier than a lot of people let on. It's simply believing who Jesus Christ is. Isn't that good news? That's good news. So until next time, Dr. Troy Walls signing off.